0: Hi, I'm Lola Glaudini. I played FBI agent Deborah Ciccarone, uh a.k.a. Danielle Chicalella on The Sopranos.
1: You're listening to Pada Bing. I'm Vic Singh, and you're listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that rigorously examines The Sopranos one episode at a time. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. If you love the podcast, this project and what it's all about, please spread the word. Share this episode or your favorite one with one new person. That's all it takes. You can follow us on all the socials at Potabing, and if you're up for it, you can support the show by visiting glow.fm/potabing. Takes about 60 seconds. To play in the next trivia show for a chance to win swag, guest on the pod, or just secure permanent bragging rights. DM at Potabang on Instagram. Finally, as always, thank you for listening and being part of this journey. I've been unable to shake a bad cold. It's been almost two weeks now fevers, coughs, the whole nine yards. Needless to say, I'm way behind on a lot of stuff and just don't have the endurance for an episode examination right now, at least not with the Potabang glasses. But there will be a healthy dose of them coming up soon, so thanks for your patience. And I hope some of these interviews are nice interludes in the meantime. Coming up is my conversation with Lola Glaudini. She played undercover agent Debra Chicarone on the show. Lola joined me in studio to share her Soprano story, the impact the show's had on her life and career, how it stacks up against shows like The Wire and Fleabag, and much, much more. To my delight, Lola came prepared with NBA and art references, including direction she received that was inspired by a famous painter. Not saying who, you'll have to listen. Special thanks to Lola for coming by the studio to be a part of this. That's all I got. Here's Lola. Are you in L.A.? Are you, do you live here? Or? I, I live here, Okay. Yeah. But you're from, you were born in... I'm from New York. From New York. I've been here for six years. What's your dog's name? Joan. I'm with Joan and Lola today. (laughs) Lola, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Let's way back machine this for a moment. Um, Where'd you grow up and what kinds of things were you into as a kid?
0: Um, I grew up mostly in New York City. Um,
1: What side? What neighborhood? What part? uh,
0: My parents were divorced, so I grew up between... uh, 151st Street and Broadway, and East 81st between 2nd and 3rd. Okay.
1: What was life like in the city? I divorced parents, obviously, uh, somewhat less than idyllic, but idyllic?
0: No, I mean, my parents were, like, the original conscious uncouplers. You know, like, we still had uh, every holiday with whoever they were dating and me, and, you know, it was always a gaggle. I grew up in a very... um, unconventional kind of family. Um, Siblings? I do. I have four sisters, but we all have different parentage. Like, if I were to break down the chart, it's, you know, it's like...
1: But still very Italian.
0: Yeah, and and also, like, very... um, We're all very close, you know? Like, even though maybe this one's not actually related to this one, I'm related to all of them.
1: Anyway... Interesting. Um, yeah. Your dad is a playwright, right? Yes, is. He's still, he still active? In-
0: yes, he's very active. Uh, I directed a play of his uh, this summer. Um, he, We're both in a theater company together in New York, Labyrinth Theater Company, and um, he's pretty active as a playwright. He also uh, has a film that's been greenlit that is based on one of his plays that's coming about. Um called vengeance is the lord and uh and then he has a series that's being developed um that's been you know greenlit that he's writing more and more on and stuff too cool yeah you guys are close
1: uh very very close you have a working relationship too yes we do yes
0: but he is definitely you know my best friend and sounding board for everything
1: Are your siblings in the business as well? Not one of them, no. Mm -mm. Everybody is like, there's a diaspora of different professions? Yes. Nice. Yes. Uh, Favorite music growing
0: up? I grew up uh, sort of at the advent of, you know, LL Cool J, Run DMC, those That was one side of my musical leaning and then um, sort of like early hip-hop and yeah. African Babada and Kid Capri and The Quiet Storm, you know, in New York on WBLS. That that was like my jam. Um, but also I was really into sort of what I call, I mean, I know it was called New Wave or something like that, but like sort of Blondie talking heads. I sort of see it as like intellectual post-punk you know, it was a, a lot of my leaning, too.
1: Nice. Mm. Were you in school in the city throughout your whole school career? No,
0: I had, like, um, you know, if I were to, like, go year by year, it's it's because my dad would be sort of um, in rehearsals or on tour with a play, um, I would sometimes go to other places that he was. I mean, sometimes it was Europe, and sometimes it was... Um, Upstate new York I spent I remember like my fourth grade experience was displaced in upstate New York half of the year. Mm. Um, and then also my mom uh my mom's relatives, my mom's parents, my mom is a native angelino, and um I would spend the summers coming to Los Angeles. so I always had like this uh, time in l a that I look back at really fondly too. Yeah
1: you um have the best of both worlds. New York's my favorite place for multitude of reasons, but are you a New York or l a person? like where's your
0: you know that it's funny. it's changed. I mean, I always was just so new york in in ev- in everything that I love. um I always thought I would just always live there my whole life. and since I moved to l a um about six. Six years ago, now full time L.A. I mean, I was there was a lot of going back and forth mm. for many years, but um, now yeah. that I am full time in L.A. and I'm I go back to New York to work a lot, I'm like God,
1: I, I don't want to live here. You get used to it here.
0: It's not. I don't want to live here either, though. Oh. That's the like, where do you want to live? I, I wish I. Fucking new. I mean, I don't know.
1: I feel like there's this place or that place. If you've lived in both, I, or, you
0: know, I want like big sky and country. You want now. quiet. I, I yeah. I want I want air. Yeah, mountains, know.
1: rivers. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I can see that. I can see it trending in that direction too. As I like, did you did your kids grow up in LA or New York or both?
0: Um, well, now it's like a split fifty-fifty yeah. with
1: their ages. You know. Yeah. So. I.
0: But they spend the summers there. Like, we go east for the summer, so, okay. yeah.
1: It's nice to get into nature with the kids, and that's what I'm realizing now. Yeah. You're in the city seven days a week. Yeah. Um, I can see where you're coming from. How did you get into acting?
0: Uh, I, I got into acting because of my dad. Um, my dad started a theater company in uh, the 60s with a couple cool cats and—, and um, he started this theater company called Theater Genesis. I shouldn't say he started. He was one of the founders mm. of this company. And um, and so from the very beginning, I would go to rehearsals and sit in the theater reading a book while they would be rehearsing. Um, and then I got involved with another company that he was involved with uh, called Padua Hills Playwrights Festival, which was in Pomona, actually, out here. And... Um, And so I started doing theater there, and then I started doing theater back in New York. And it just was sort of like, you know, if you grew up in Detroit and your parents were in car manufacturing, that's kind of what I did.
1: Interesting. Did you study acting in college?
0: No. You know, I went to Bard College, which is funny because Bard is uh, Will McCormick, you know, on the show.
1: Yeah. uh, is is a— bard student that's dr melfi's son yeah, yeah yeah
0: and i actually i when i had my first meeting with david chase um i, I remember we talked about that in in my meeting with him about bard like why bard you know? yeah
1: why bard that was my question actually
0: yeah he has a connection to bard you why bard oh me why bard yeah. oh i, I yeah. oh i thought you meant like on the show yeah. oh um uh, I, I toured schools and I yeah. loved Bard, I, okay. so I went to Bard. And I, I wanted to get out of the city, yeah. you know, and um, it was sort of like, was I going to go to NYU or, you know, like I looked at different schools right, and, right. and, uh, and so I ended up going to Bard and, um, it was life changing and... What'd you study? Um, well, I, funnily enough, I, I studied film history and, uh... And then I studied Spanish literature, like Spanish language literature, not from the country. Yeah, um, And um, I just, I had an extraordinary experience there, you know.
1: Pivot to acting, biggest influence to go into that career. Was it your father or was it?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was my father, but it was also sort of the gang he was with yeah. too, you know. Um, I
1: like the Detroit Analogy makes sense you're just around it
0: <laughs> yeah and um my my godfather was a playwright and my dad directed all of his plays and um i was just around it a lot you know um and yeah it just was kind of what i wanted to do i just always knew that that's what i wanted to do. i was i was also really really invested in ballet as a dancer huh. and um and trained in ballet, and then that led me to other kinds of dance that I studied. And, um, but I, ne- I knew that I never wanted to do that professionally. I just knew that I loved dancing. Why? I knew that I wanted to be in theater and film.
1: It wasn't a what's the word like longevity thing, like a dancer's career. I wasn't sure. thinking, like you that. thinking like
0: that. No, no, I was like. Oh, I'm a lean person who yeah. loves to dance. You know, so it was like that.
1: What was your acting break that you when when you reflect back on it? Like, what was your? I am here. Oh, I've never achieved never that. that. No, uh-uh. you were in. Uh, before I talk about the Sopranos, you were in Blow. Mm-hmm. Um, can you refresh my memory? What character you played or what the role was? For I, that? Is I, there a Blow? Is there a Blow story that you? Oh have? yeah, I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I have some. Is there a blow story that you can tell? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I had a
1: a, a tricky time on that f- film. Um, how did The Sopranos happen for you? What's the origin story? It's
0: actually kind of a good one because I was a real fan of that show.
1: So um, you were watching it?
0: Oh my god, I was so watching it. Um, I was obsessed with it, and. Uh, And uh, I got a call that there was an audition. Um, I was working in L.A. I lived in New York, but I was working in L.A. And so I had to put myself on tape. And I went to a casting director's office. This is before we had iPhones or anything, you know. Um, So I went to a casting director's office who was like, friendly enough with me, who put me on tape. And the sides that I was given were really, like, told nothing about the character. I didn't know anything about
1: it. Didn't even know she was an FBI agent.
0: No. mm -mm. It was, uh, I can't even remember what the, it wasn't a scene that was in the show. It was just a scene that they'd written for the audition. Put myself on tape. And sent it in, and I think three days later I got a call saying that I w- I booked it and I was going out to go do it. And at the time, oh, at the time I was doing a play here on Sunset Boulevard. There's a theater, I don't know if it's still there, the Tiffany? Mm. It's like across from Mel's Diner, I want to say, or I don't know if that's still there. I don't know, I'm never on this part yeah. of town, but yeah. But, um, I was doing a play with actually someone who's now one of my best, best friends. But that's the play that we met on. And um, Judy Greer, she's an actress. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she and I were in a play together. And during that time, I I booked Sopranos. And we were like, I remember we were like jumping up and down, you know, before we were going on stage when I told her, you know. Um, but but uh, I got, I remember I was driving... When I got a call from my agents or whatever saying you booked it, and I literally had to pull over, and like I got off the phone, and I remember I was in my car, and I pull I pulled over, and I was like, "Sopranos," you know, I was so excited because I was such a fan of the show. Yeah, Um, I had I had to pull over because I knew I was just going to crash my
1: car. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then I called my dad. And then, was your dad a fan of the show too? Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. big time, big time fan of the this show. This is
1: probably you got the call. The show was going. It was probably season three. It was it was? Like it was season three running because your, yeah. your character's introduced at the in the finale of season three. Correct.
0: Yeah, and um, I think it was like um, it must have been like mid
1: season three that I I got the call. Were you hoping to be? like part of the family did you have any expectation or were you just like whatever oh my gosh yeah. I, who, no i had yeah. no expectation or but once you get it you're not thinking like okay so what is it going to be like what am i you know you know was no. just like let's just do this no
0: i just wanted to be a part of something that i
1: thought was such quality and yeah and um delicious and it turned out that you got to pretty much play two characters yes um Tell me some stories. Okay. Tell me some memories. What comes to mind? What's top of mind? Something that you loved? um, Something that you maybe didn't like so much?
0: My biggest takeaway, my my sort of fondest recollection about the inner workings of the show is really what I'm left with was the extraordinary attention to detail. And I'd never experienced anything like that. And I don't know if I've ever experienced anything like that since. Mm. Um... And I mean, down to fingernails and literally literally, I remember when I was in the makeup trailer, and um they opened up the drawer of all the nails and were choosing which nails to put on me, and um you know like the press on to you know make it look like you have acrylic nails and um and kind of looking at different things and saying, okay, these will be your nails. And so then they ordered, you know, 20 packs of those nails so that those are the same consistent nails that you always had, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the hair pieces, yeah. I mean, just like incredible detail that was done. Um, also in, um, in the costume fittings, I remember, uh, incredible story that was told to me while i was being fitted and you know because every time that um oh, what's her, uh, polka um she was a costume designer
1: uh, oh Pulxa. juliet polksa juliet
0: polksa polksa yeah juliet well uh, when when uh when she would be fitting she would you know obviously this is before everything was done digitally you know they'd take pictures and she'd say well david is going to weigh in about this like david was a decision-maker on every single element. Um, And things would come in that she would want me to try on, that she'd say, David actually pulled this from the rack that he wants you to wear. You know, things like that. And she told me a story that, um, while I was in a fitting once, she told me a story that, um, I don't know if you've heard, I don't know if anyone's ever mentioned any of these kind of things, but... um, <clears throat> Donatella Versace didn't like the show.
1: I've never heard that, but okay. I've heard a story about going to Versace's maison to like get suits for uh, Lorraine Bracco, one of the costume designers the the person who um, was before Juliet came on. It was Anne Crabtree. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. a costume yeah. designer. Yeah. For you and you interviewed yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She talks about going up to the. Uh, maison whatever it's called the, yeah, yeah, the main place in hearing about it but I never heard that she didn't like the show.
0: Yeah, like, so um I remember uh Juliet told me this story that um this is like while I'm in the fitting you know she was saying oh well, we have to, we're going to wear we're going to put you in Cavalli for this and we're going to you know but we're getting yeah that's what that's what it was uh, cuz I was wearing all this uh Roberto Cavalli and and um uh She told me this story about how involved David Chase was that he was driving in a, he was in a town car and he asked his driver to pull over as he was like down Madison Avenue and he saw a dress in the window of Cavalli and he said, called her, Juliet, and said, there's a dress in the window of Cavalli that I want Edie to wear. You know, like he he was always on the look. He was always working. He was always working and thinking about the show. And that was such incredible intel to me of how creative and and the attention to detail that this man had. And I found—I remember right then, I'm thinking, holy fuck, you're in it. You know, like you're in something where there's like a Svengali that is in charge of all of this stuff. Great work and cares so much. Yes.
1: It's not just fucking TV. No. Yeah. You know,
0: and um, to go back to the Versace story, um, do you remember— I you're you're probably better at this than I am in terms of I don't remember the episodes, but I am in Chris and Adriana's um apartment and he gets loot that he has and he's you're taking it up and I'm looking at the bags and stuff and they she takes out plates that have the, the Versace logo, which is like the Medusa head mm-hmm. and there's the um, sort of Greek key uh, that's around the plate. That was placed there as a fuck you to Versace because um, Donatella Versace didn't like the show. She felt it was like anti-Italian or something. And she was so, one
1: of those. Yeah, and yeah. so
0: she wouldn't give clothes to the show when all these people were loving the show and wanting the characters to be wearing their brands and stuff like that. And so um She wouldn't give the clothes. And so they decided to just, like, fuck it, we'll buy this shit. And we're going to put it front and center as, like, the stolen shit, you (laughs) know,
1: of, like, (laughs) the Versace logo, Amazing. So. (laughs) There were a lot of fuck yous in the show. Yeah. um, And they slowly are getting—they've been unearthed already, but, like, being reminded of it— and also that whole sort of like dichotomy of like it being anti Italian, all of the all of the ways in which they uh, convey that through Dr. Melfi's husband, ex husband. Right, right. You know? Yeah. And they remind you that, you know, it's 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 top of mind, he's aware of it, but he's also saying, fuck you. Yeah. You know, it's actually yeah. it's part of the culture. It doesn't sure. mean that it's gonna dwarf the culture. I'm gonna say a name and tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Oh okay. And the nice thing about it being a podcast is that (laughs) I'm looking right at you, so you can't think. Uh, James Gandolfini. Um, Behemoth of a talent, yeah. When you come into the house, when your character comes into the house for the first time, that's one of the scenes where viewers, and you're a viewer so you can totally relate to this, you're like... You're in the inner sanctum. Like this is like FBI, like you risen the ranks. You're like the top. You go right into the into the lion's den. You're standing right next to him. Was there any was there anything ceremonious about that moment or was it just a scene? It was
0: so indicative. Because you know who he is
1: already. You're a fan. Now you're acting on the show. Well, I
0: mean, I'd already, you know, met him a bunch of times
1: yeah. and you do the table reads yeah. and
0: then like you have rehearsal of course. and da, da da da. But when action is called, and you have to hit your mark, and you're looking Tony in the eyes. It was, it's interesting. It's so parallel of, the, of my own experience as the character's experience because uh, I was such a fan, and he is, make no mistake, the big daddy on set.
1: Yeah. You know, there is no
0: mistaking that.
1: Many people have described him as the oxygen. Would you agree with
0: that? Sure, but I'd also, I would also say that, you know, the spotlight is always following him, you know, um, on a blank stage. it He called all the shots. I mean, it was extraordinary to feel that energy. But I'm saying, like, when I enter the scene, and that scene, you know, and he, there's like the pan up and down, right, to mimic the checking out or whatever Mm -hmm. it is palpable totally it is as an actor it's palpable and in the character it's palpable and it was so um twofold of the character's experience and me the actor's experience being completely parallel Mm. and in in symbiotic you know love it
1: (laughs) yeah i know it's like it's like you work your whole career to get in the door like that, sure. undercover. And the fact that he's always playing chess, he's always on yeah, top yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. New person coming into the yeah. house, but he's so blinded by beauty that he's able to not even think like, "Who's this person? What is she doing in my house?" You know. And there's this moment where it's like, you know, and every time we, we watch it, it's that, gosh, like, like they're so close yet so far away. Yeah, you know, I'm yeah. never gonna catch this guy. Even yeah, like right next to yeah. him. How many takes on Whippany? I think it was just one or two. You nailed it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Because the emphasis on Whippany, it's Whippany's like a thing now to fans.
0: People, I know people. I was in the airport once and someone just said, Whippany. Yeah. 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 No, it's
1: it's it <laughs> is it is a masterclass in not only like the dialogue, but also like sense of place people are not from new jersey that watch the show like i clearly am not from Mm -hmm. new jersey but i have such a sense of place for like the characters and the and the and the references to the caldwells and how to pronounce this or how to pronounce that whip one of those it's like one of the mount rushmore pronunciations
0: (laughs) yeah it it is a funny thing people people bring that up a lot yeah you know and i i had no idea i i I don't think I went to New Jersey until I was in college, you know? Sure, why would you? Yeah, and so um, uh, I remember when I got that script, I instantly, you know, and this is before you could just Google something, you know, I instantly went to a map and was like, where the fuck is Whippany, you know? (laughs) And then I had a friend who was from New Jersey who lived in New York, and I said, what's it like there? You know, what's— And and I remember him saying, well, there's a train stop,
1: you know? (laughs) There's a turnpike. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay.
1: And like what exit you get off from the turnpike apparently says a lot about you. Yeah, Um, yeah. I have family there. That's how I actually came to the show is one of my cousins lived up there and I was working on the East Coast and I took the train up to visit them. I was in D.C. And they were watching season four. It was like on – it was on HBO. Arguably the – Best season. Of course. To me, it's like, (laughs) uh, to use a sports analogy, it's like uh, Michael Jordan in his prime. Sure. Season four was like prime.
0: You guys are big with the sports analogy. Yeah, it's mostly me. I'm
1: I'm insufferable with it. Um, So your character was married to the character played by Will Arnett. Yes. And Will Arnett now is you know. Superstar Will Arnett. An entity. Yeah. Okay. He's my son's favorite guy. He's Lego Batman Uh amongst other things. Uh, any stories from your time spent with Will Arnett? He wasn't the Will Arnett that we now know today. Just take me, take listeners back.
0: Uh, Will was someone I was introduced to on set right before we were going to shoot. And he was a day player on it. And, um, he was incredibly shy and quiet on set. And he, he was just like this sweetheart, nice person. And I remember um, running into him really kind of shortly after it aired and just running into him on the street and saying, will hey, it's Lola, you know, we played husband. And he he was like, oh, my gosh. And he's like, oh, the storyline's so great, and I love watching it. And he was a a fan of it, and he thought, you know, we did a great job and stuff. And then I didn't see him again until he became Will Arnett, you know. (laughs) And he was still actually just as lovely and just as um, effusive about our time spent together.
1: Going back to, I'm gonna say a name. Tell me the first thing that comes to mind. David Chase. Oz. Drea De Matteo. Sunshine. Matt Servito. Uh he's just
0: a, a love bug. Uh, I run into him a bunch in New York, and and uh, not recently, but uh, you know, throughout the years at play prim- openings and mm. stuff like that. And I always enjoy seeing him.
1: Yeah, yeah. he did the pod too, and I. Um, He did it remotely, but I wanted to give him a hug because I love Agent Harris. He's a part of the crew. Totally. And he's totally working working both sides. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Thoughts on why your character abruptly left the show? Oh, um, I got a series so there is, there is a little okay. Yeah. So, so this was um, the final scene. Let me set the stage. The final yeah. scene is you and Agent Harris and Agent San Severino in a uh, pastry shop upstate somewhere. Uh, Adriana is very upset that she has to drive all the way up there, and um, you know, you kind of hand the ball off to Agent San Severino and fans like myself and so many others are like, no, yeah, that's a great story. Well. <clears throat>
0: I mean, I don't know how much longer it could have played out because, you know, as it plays out, it becomes more sort of formulaic of of FBI to um, Drea's character. You know, just like sort of a little bit more standard. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I became a series regular on a show and this was a recur. You know, they call you up and say... Are you available for these dates, sort right. of a thing? And of course, with The Sopranos, you want to keep everything open. But the show that I booked was in Los Angeles, and funnily enough, well, it only lasted one season. But um, it was called The Handler, starring Joe Pantoliano.
1: Oh, so he was coming off The Sopranos too.
0: Yeah, and but he had he was killed. His bowling bag situation happened. Nine. Yeah, yeah. So he. But he won the Emmy yeah, for that for that episode. While we were shooting the pilot of the show we did together. Incredible.
1: Yeah. You know that we just riffed on that episode and he won the Emmy for that episode and he was only active in it for twenty two minutes. So it's twenty two minutes of work. To get the Emmy, which is quite amazing, if you consider that he's absent for half the episode in in well, in in, in phys- physicality wise, like you know, his head is there and his right. limbs are there. <laughs> and and he's
0: talked about. He's talked about. Yeah. But
1: it was that was a brilliant, a brilliant performance. Yes, um, I'm a Richie Aprile, uh-huh. a bigger fan. Uh-huh. I was very devastated when he got clipped uh-huh. by uh, Janice. Um, that was actually one of the highlights of this project was uh, having him walk in the studio. He actually called me. I got a phone call. And I answer the phone, and he goes, and I go, hey, hello, this is Vic. And he goes, Vic, David Perval, are we going to do a podcast or what? And I was like, (laughs) I looked at my phone, (laughs) and I'm like, yes. And he's like, and and, and someone gave him my number, right? Uh And he's like, and I'm like, yes. And he's like, so, like, tomorrow? And I said, yeah. Uh And he came in, (laughs) and we just did it. And I was like, I was up the night before, Uh like, watching all the episodes, coming up with questions, but... Um, Richie and Ralphie were Tony's like greatest foes, man. Yeah. Um, anytime I am clipping my kid's nails, I always say shrapnel. Shrapnel. Yeah. <laughs> Have you said flexing when they're in the <laughs> no, sink? Whenever no. I'm, whenever I'm doing dishes <laughs> uh-huh, in the sink, uh-huh. I always somehow say, I managed to work in Flexin like I managed to work in an NBA reference. Uh-huh. Non sequitur, inappropriate. Sure. <laughs> um, When you left uh, the show, did you think you were coming back, or were you given an indication that uh, that uh, this character's life has lived? Well, how does that work? Is there or is it very? No,
0: it was all very loose. Okay, yeah, and uh, and they, I remember them saying, "Well, if we need to wrap things up, you know, we'll try and give you a good heads up, kind of a thing, you know." And so, I I was called in. yeah, for some a couple episodes, like I have a couple little blips here and there or something. Mm-hmm. But I was already, I was working on another show. I remember because I was, you know, for me, it's always hair color. It's like, are you brunette or blonde? or You know, and I was already, br- I was brunette for something else when I had to come back. And I had been blonde on Sopranos. You know, it's always that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Again, the detail. Yeah. You know? Because they they also don't want any like production discrepancies. Yes, you know they want yes. everything to look very uh, specific to what it is. Very specific because it's a uh, it's a meditation on reality. Mm-hmm. You know realism. Uh, you mentioned you watched the show, so you were a fan. Favorite episode? Um,
0: I have parts of favorite episodes, but of course, you know the Pines is always going to stand out.
1: Is there a favorite moment for your character in the show?
0: Um, I I really remember um, loving the scene at the bar where Dre is talking about, Adriana's talking about not being able to conceive. Mm. And um, I remember when we were filming that, Feeling so conflicted.
1: You're supposed to feel empathy for her, but inside you know you're working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great. And there's two eyes on the back wall that are looking at mm-hmm. the two of you. We that's the FBI. Mm-hmm. The, you know the the, the surveillance. That uh, was a great moment between you guys. And then you guys embrace also. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of you're you're kind of like you're doing one of these. Mm-hmm. You're close, but you're far. I just and I, I also just loved that line
0: that they gave me. That was, uh, Cash is a. That stocks is a cash business. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah,
1: yeah, and she's also looking for a friend, you know? Oh my God, she's so lonely. Yeah. Super she's lonely. She's the loneliest girl in the world. Yeah. yeah. You meet at the clothing store, right? Or she's ch- Yeah. You think you're gonna have to do like all this legwork to like work in the relationship, and she immediately just like, let's hit up Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of you have this look on your face like, man, it was Yeah, that was that was, th- was fucking easy. Yeah, that was three <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Thoughts on the ending.
0: Do you remember where you were? Yes, I was with my Sopranos watching crew party. Okay. You know, there's like 15 friends. We all, you know, do big ZD. I mean, this was like every Sunday for years. We'd all bring something and, you know, have wine. And I did get a, for my friend who hosted it, it was always at my friend Dee's house. And um, she was insane, insane, insane sopranos fan and then when i got onto that show she lost her mind you know um but she uh i asked for and i got her a um menu from vesuvio's that's awesome
1: as a christmas present for her i I asked for
0: one and um and so i gave that to her
1: did they actually make actual vesuvio's menus was it that specific hundred percent wow yeah with the Antipast and all the way down. Yes, like, and
0: they were it, and prices on them. Yes, and leather bound, like a, a you know, it's leather on the outside, paper on the inside, with a cord that you know, like a decorative cord that is on the binding mm. of it, and and it was printed in gold leaf Vesuvio. Wow. And um, anyway, but we would make you know what people would order
1: on the, show. On the show sounds so silly no it's not silly at all I mean look <laughs> we we're talking fans. about a show 20 years ago I know I know. Um, nothing is silly I know you see all the shows and you can talk about it like you've worked on a lot of stuff since The Sopranos and you said a very beautiful thing like you don't think that you've experienced anything like that and that is mm-hmm. profound
0: yeah because you've yeah, been working
1: yeah. I mean yeah. it's uh, and I always ask and it's uh, I, wa- I try new shows all the time I get into it oh someone makes a recommendation at dinner oh if you love The Sopranos you right. will I love this. Yeah. I get in and I'm like, mm, You don't get it. Are you fucking kidding me? You don't get it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's
0: it me- holds up in it the most up. incredible way. And, and every single person on that show was just, was important. Yes. You know, not just the actors and the crew, but like every element of mm-hmm. it was so important. Um, uh, I, I worked on uh, Ray Donovan and one of the camera operators of Ray Donovan was on Sopranos. And my first day on set, um, he came up to me and he said, I'm Patrick. Do you I was like, fuck yeah, of course I remember. You know, it was like... There's a kinship
1: automatic. Yes.
0: There's like this short thing that just like instantly connects you to someone Mm -hmm. because of your Sopranos, your shared Sopranos experience, you know. Um uh yeah, Frank, you know, Pellegrino, he, the he uh rest in peace. Yes. He uh he was really cool. Um we were working together. I remember we were sitting outside of Silver Cup and he was just yeah, you know, smoking and talking to me about, you know, stories and stuff. And he he handed me a card and he was like, You should come over to the restaurant sometime, you know? And I had no idea that he was Rayo's. You know, I I had no clue. And then, um, you know, it was funny. Later, when we were inside, uh, Jimmy said, so I I hear you got invited to the restaurant. And I said, yeah. And he said, all right, so you've you've only been here how, how long and you've done some good work, huh?
1: Like he razzed me about it, you know. It usually takes a lot more episodes. Uh, so, apparently, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back to the ending, uh, your, oh, yeah, yeah. was your, your reaction...
0: I felt sort of... Um,
1: and how do you feel about it now?
0: Well, I, I, I felt sort of, at, when I watched it, I felt very, um, I don't know, sort of meditative about it, philosophical about it, that it was just to let it be and just to sort of let it sink in. I didn't have to have an answer.
1: Do you have a thought now, or not are you still really the same?
0: yeah, okay. I sort of i don't I don't really deep dive, yeah, that ending. I just sort of feel like for me, it was satisfying, so yeah. um, I didn't need an answer. I sort of am in the school of you can kind of take something away and it can be
1: whatever it is for you to interpret if you could have dinner with a character from the show, who would it be, and why? Carmella.
0: I think that she's such a complicated person that I would want to know what it is that makes her as successful as she is at her job.
1: I find her fascinating. Yeah, she's... She turns on a dime. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. The scene that I'm thinking of right now is when um, she finds the fingernail. Valentina's fingernail. Oh down. my god! And she's in the kitchen. Uh-huh. She's like, "Hey, Tony, is there anything you want to talk to me about?" Yeah, isn't yeah. that fucking genius? Yeah. And then she sits down and she starts rifling through the mm-hmm. paper, and he's doing this. You know, are you sure, Tony? Mm-hmm. Are you sure there's nothing you want to talk about? And he knows that she got me, mm-hmm. but he can't say anything. That is like, mm-hmm. I don't even. I can't even. The kitchen scenes between the two of them—it's mm-hmm. a dance. It's literally a dance, mm-hmm. and we are lucky spectators. I never thought you'd say Carmela. I've never heard anybody say Carmella. I'm glad you did. Because <laughs> I feel like she, there would be a stoicism to her at the dinner if she was, like, with an outsider or with... You get a glimpse of what she's like with an outsider when Gloria drives her home a little bit, like this, like, awkward banter. A little different vibe than being at a dinner table.
0: Um, Yeah, but the scene with Gloria, thats so the thing that's so delicious about that is that, you know, Carmela has a chip on her shoulder about class, Mm. you know, and Gloria presents herself as someone, even though she is working in a car dealership, that she's really put together.
1: Yeah, but you're saying that Carmela's looking down on her a little bit because of her career?
0: No, but just that this woman is... Serving me? It is serving me, and yet she's more refined in a certain oh, way. So she, oh, so she got
1: it. Yeah. She has to talk up the Columbia thing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, she yeah.
0: feels like she has to, to— like, show. I mean, she does not She like—she puts the bait out there, like, three times. Yeah.
1: Talk a little about your career post-Sopranos. How formative was the show for you? Uh, or if it wasn't really, talk about that.
0: Oh, yeah. It was— I mean nothing was ever as good. I mean it's just incredible that you work on something like that and I mean I I know that other things are wonderful. I'm not sure. I'm not saying that and and I'm not I'm saying work for me work is always good of just course. to work but um and you you gain experiences from all different people but as a viewer as an actor um just the quality of that show is something that's in its own category um you know there's like three of them what are the three for you well the wire okay um and then maybe now fleabag
1: fleabags amazing yeah i it's so successful and i really am dissecting it from that vantage point of like i'm not saying it's soprano's level yet because that's way too premature but it's being received as well as The Sopranos was in the first couple of seasons. Do you have any thoughts on Fleabag? Like, what what is, what is the I je ne sais quoi between the two of them?
0: I was a very, very early Fleabag fan. Like, I remember so saying... N- not a
1: bandwagon. No, yeah. no, no. no. You know, season am, one, episode one. I am
0: really patting myself on the back about this one, okay? Because I remember saying to people, you've got to see this show. It's incredible. And I... I was on an island. No one I knew had seen it, and uh, I remember talking to people in on set, you know, working and being like, "Have you not seen this show? It's crazy!" It, I felt it was criminal that people weren't watching this. And um, anyway, so that now that you know that that uh, you know, I was of course a, you got to
1: lay your credentials down.
0: Absolutely, I'm throwing that card down. Uh, and I, I do have a friend who, you know, with all the loss in season two, was like. Uh, you turned me on to that show just, and I was like, thank you, thank you for it That's all, you, it's thank all you, you want.
1: Thank you. You yeah, just want a little right. acknowledgement. Yeah, now,
0: now pass the wine over. You yeah. know, but Yes.
1: Um, I Wait, what was the question? <laughs> the, three, the three shows, oh, and then, oh, and then why? what is it about Fleabag? Because um, I'll tell you, the one thing that's disarming for me is the, The fourth wall? Yeah. I, I, I like it, but it's, 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 it's overkill. Is that the right word? I mean, who the hell am I to say that? But there's a lot of it. And it, it takes me out of the moment. I've heard this argument,
0: and normally I would probably agree. I just feel like it's done successfully on the show. For me, it it, it achieves um, uh, intimacy with me as the viewer that we're both along on
1: the same ride. Mm um i get that part of it that's that's yeah okay yeah she's she's taking you on her journey it's there's many scenes where i have mentioned fleabag on the podcast that this would be where if it was a fleabag style show where tony would look at the camera Mm -hmm. you know there's a moment where he'd be like with ralph with uh with johnny sack Mm -hmm. um obviously a uh the priest guy took you to the next level a lot of people came to the show because of him and then went back and watched season one. That's me. Uh huh. Because um, everybody was talking about this priest. Uh huh. Were you over the priest or did the priest really elevate the show? I was so into the priest. Yeah. I just thought it was fantastic. Were you devastated? No. Do you think it should have been, the outcome should have been
0: different? No. I, yeah. I think it's just what she sets herself up for. Yeah. She knew.
1: Yeah. It's fascinating to me that you put Fleabag with The Wire and The Sopranos already. That yeah. So are they doing another season? Of Fleabag?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. There
1: is gonna be yes. a third season. Yes.
0: Um, also I love Olivia Coleman and I am I'm obsessed with any kind of genealogy show, and I have been for years and years and years. So like The Finding Your Roots and um the British one, uh, Who Do You Think You Are? Mm. And Olivia Coleman does an episode I highly recommend that you watch Olivia Coleman's who do you think you are?
1: I haven't, but I will because you said it.
0: She's just so delightful to be on this journey with. But she... I mean, I, I don't want to... You know what? I don't want to spoil it for you yeah. or your listeners. Yeah. But just start from the beginning and go on the journey with her of where she finds out what her parentage is. Hmm. Um, and she's so fucking funny uh, as a character um but you know very different than her flea bag character
1: so. have you seen the new amazon series called modern love have you watched mm-mm, any of those mm-mm. it's an anthology series it's based on a column in the new york times called modern love mm-hmm.
0: they they have a podcast there's I, a podcast of I, modern love
1: I don't yeah. know if they're related or no. Yeah, no, no, it's the yeah, New York Times. The New York Times one podcast. Yeah, it's now Love. a TV series, uh-huh. and each episode has like two different actors from, and it's just basically a little vignette. Mm. It was it was enough to make me watch like three, mm. which is hard. That's successful. Usually, I, usually I check out. Yeah, you know, because I'm always measuring it against the wrong yardstick mm-hmm. of like, this is not the Sopranos, but Fleabag is definitely up there. I would I I was careful. I couched my uh, enjoyment of Fleabag uh, delicately because if you say anything comes close to the Sopranos, you start to get all this blowback. Right, right, right.
0: right. Oh, sure, sure. But it is.
1: But she's. What I will say about that is, she commands the screen very much the same way that James Gandolfini did. When she's on, when she's on camera, (laughs) you're. She's talking about a fucking guinea pig. Yeah, but you're looking at her. Yeah, because she's just there's. Her angles. Well, it's also and, it's
0: just like, there's something, you know, that's the wheels are turning in her brain. Yeah. You just, she, she's so captivating. And you're just going along for thinking, the ride. Yeah. What
1: is she going to say next? Um,
0: one thing that strikes me about, I, you guys talk about it on the podcast, but, um, about the Sopranos, was always the lighting, you know? And I remember just a little, uh, Inside Baseball of, of, uh, working I love Inside on Baseball. Yes. It. <laughs> I remember working with Alan, who I've worked with subsequently a bunch of times. But um, Alan Coulter, yeah, yeah, um, who was just you—you you had him. Yeah. yeah, he's just so fun, sweet Texan. Um, but he—I remember him talking to me about—he was really specific about where to stand and what kind of head movement he did and didn't want specifically in a scene and he said let me show you what the what the um motivation for me in lighting this scene is and he pulled up a picture of a vermeer and sure enough how he was lighting it was based on this vermeer
1: you have made me so happy <laughs> i cannot emphasize that enough i i literally analogize scenes to Caravaggio paintings mm-hmm. to, um, that whole ethos of like, um, of shadow and mm-hmm. light. And the way every scene is lit, even from the most meaningless location, mm-hmm. Barone sanitation, mm-hmm. the way they light a sanitation fucking back office is, it goes right back to the two things you said. One, uh, David Chase in his car saying, pull over. I want that dress mm-hmm. and then the nails and then now him actually citing Vermeer. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And do you hear stuff like that on other stuff you work on? Um, Can you say, like, I don't want to get you in trouble. Like, obviously, no. like, is there a project that you've been a part of that comes close in terms of the attention to detail? Not quite like that. Um, just because, um...
0: No, I mean not quite like that. I mean, I, I you know, just going back to Ray Donovan, uh, David Hollander, who's the showrunner of that show. Um, I've gotten to know pretty well, just like becoming a friend and stuff. And the way that his mind thinks about certain things, it's it's a totally different way to go about how he runs a show. But he he's very literary, and so um, he might think of sort of a more social emotional place that characters are coming from and that's sort of like his real investment mm. um, and also he's someone who says well what do you want as the character uh, for for what color you're wearing in the scene or what how your hair is gonna be or whatever. You know, like that whereas that's
1: not the case on the Sopranos. It was no, very specific. No, 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 no. It was yeah. very
0: specific. You were told like this is how it's going to be. Right. And
1: can't insert words and stuff no, like that. No,
0: no, 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 yeah. no, no. But I'm someone who never does that. Yeah. I, I my comfort zone is on the page. Maybe that's being from a, a child of a writer, but um I've never liked to change
1: inserted your yeah. No. Mm-mm.
0: Last good book you read? Um, I read, uh, The Water Dancer, the Ta-Nehisi Coates book that just came out. Is it a memoir about... No, it's... it's, oh, it's a, a fiction. fiction. Yeah, so he, uh, it's his first fiction. I was a big fan of,
1: um... His first book was the memoir. I'm confusing. He has two books yeah, that are yeah. memoirs. He has, um... One is about his kids,
0: well, it's 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 a book to his, to son. his son. Yes, yeah. Between the world Thank and you me for correcting me, slipping and sliding through that. <laughs> Between the world and me is the is the book that he wrote as a letter to his son, which I found really beautiful. Um, but yeah, I loved I loved the Water Dancer. I thought that was great. And I also just read. Uh, I always like to while I'm reading a book of fiction, I like to read a book of nonfiction. And I just read um, Talking to Strangers, the Malcolm Gladwell mm. book that
1: just came out too. Um, Thumbs up, thumbs down. I have it on my shelf. I just haven't opened it yet. Oh, it's terrific. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's terrific. Is he still on his game? Big time. I mean, he's getting at something. He's, you know, he's maturing as a human and as a writer and as an investigative writer. Yeah. um, And he is getting really to the crux of something that is gnawing at him about uh, racial justice in this country. And that's really what the book is about. Um, it's about a lot of things, but I think at the core, that's what he really wants to talk about.
1: Mm. Do you have a favorite bookstore in town? Yes.
0: I like book stories in Echo Park on oh, yeah. Sunset yeah. a lot. And I like Romans in Pasadena. Um, I'm a big, big reader. So uh, I always always have a book in my bag.
1: Nice. Do you do Kindle or is it always no. physical
0: objects? I you know, I have a Kindle and I thought it would be awesome because like when I go on location, let's say, to not have to
1: have lug around a, stuff.
0: stuff and I, you know, put 10 books in a Kindle and it just doesn't work for me.
1: Have you seen the Bill Gates documentary on Netflix that just came out? No he has someone pack his uh, a tote bag mm-hmm. that has his initials on it and he fills it with books. Mm-hmm. And then he takes his tote bag and it's the only thing he carries is a tote bag mm-hmm. filled with books and he gets on a little seaplane he lands in some little remote part of Washington, and he goes into a cabin of his, and he reads books in that cabin for a week. It's called a Think Week. Mm. And I went and cried. God, wouldn't that be nice? I, I know. I went and yeah. cried <laughs> to my wife. I was like, I want to Think Week. Uh, yeah. She's like, well, go be fucking Bill, Bill Gates. Gates yeah. you know? <laughs> but anyway, I'm determined You're to, working on it. to get a tote bag <laughs> so that I can go away and just read. No technology, no computer, no laptop. Yeah. He just reads. And you see the footage of him like chewing on his glasses while he's reading. And it's like, man, that's the life right there. Yeah. Remote, quiet. Yeah.
0: Um, the other bookstore that I really like a lot uh, that I wanted to mention is uh, Skylight Books on Vermont. Yeah, yeah. And they have great readings there, mm-hmm. too. Um, I know that uh, Roxane Gay is doing a reading
1: there. Do you know who Jeff Dyer is? No. Should I? He's a really good writer. Yeah, uh-huh. he's a, I interviewed him. He did a reading there or he did an interview like an in conversation. He's a fiction writer? Uh no, he's an essayist. uh uh-huh. He's also British and he has that accent which is just like Does uh, nothing for me. I'm married to a you? Brit. Okay. It doesn't authenticate like the Nope. 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 <laughs> it's actually No. <Nope>. Ten- <laughs> <Nope. laughs> Maybe you're not going to read Jeff Dyer after no, all. No,
0: no, no. I I love British writers. I love British people. Obviously, I've been married to one for 20 something years, so but uh doesn't does not move the needle of me thinking you're more intelligent just right. because you have a fucking accent. Yeah. Get over yourself.
1: <laughs> but do they actually, now you can actually speak from experience, is it a belief inherent to them that there's an air of... Uh, no, no. It just They just sound like that. They just sound like that, okay. <laughs> Favorite music right now? What have you been listening to in the last week? Automatic. New band. Uh, automatic, like spelled the right way? hmm Not like with a K or... no. Nope. Automatic.
0: Um, and they're first album just you can get it on Apple music iTunes uh, Spotify etc and their album is called Signal and they're three women awesome yeah like sort of post uh, I really don't want to say 80s influence but there's like definitely like a Jesus and Mary chain Hits. um yeah. A uh, little bit of Hope Sound of All or Suzy and the Banshees. There's like a, there's like a vibe there. Vibe of okay. uh, electronic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really good. And I may or may not be related to someone in the band. So, yeah,
1: full disclosure. Okay. <laughs> My sister.
0: Oh, <laughs> but, gonna, yeah. But, but it is. I was going to say, awesome. like, this is a
1: really nice plug. In no, 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 no. Yeah. It's,
0: there's so, I'm so. Pr- they're on European tour right now. So, okay. uh, uh,
1: but they're. Do you know where they Do you know what city they're in right now? Because this will this will drop in a couple of days.
0: Like, uh, right now, they're in Germany. They were in Paris and London and Germany, but they're playing here. It, it's sold out. But they're playing at the Hollywood Palladium on November third and fourth.
1: Wow! So they're like they're well established. Yeah, and then Palladium? they're playing um,
0: Bowery Ballroom. What does your sister play in the band? She sings and she plays the
1: keyboard. And what's your sister's name? Isabella Gladini. Isabella. Mm-hmm. Most treasured possession from the show? Do you have one? Oh, I, I have
0: um, a pair of giant hoop earrings that are in a box.
1: Uh, Danielle's. Yeah. Ideal breakfast?
0: For me to eat? Yeah. Uh, a cup, I have an espresso and that's it till like noon.
1: Are you an intermittent faster?
0: No, uh-uh. I have a friend who doesn't it works but no. Uh-uh. I just I've never been a breakfast person. I just always have coffee and I'm done.
1: Yeah. And finally, what are you working on at the moment?
0: Um, I just directed a short that I am that I wrote and directed and we shot in the mountains of Idaho. And I'm on the final sound mix of that.
1: What inspired that?
0: Um, well, a uh, director And producer, who I work with a lot, um, asked me if I wanted to kind of start developing something on another show that they're going on to and uh, what, you know, like to act in. And I said, yeah, but I I really want to start directing too. So I want to, if we're going to develop that, I want to do that. And he said to me, go and write and direct something beforehand so that we have something to show the studio that you can do it. And so I took those words very seriously and did that. And it's less than a year later, and I've got a wonderful, darling, sweet little film under my belt. Can you um, logline it here? It's um, about two Puerto Rican women from the Bronx who um, go to Las Vegas on a girls' trip and win a car at a casino and decide to drive back to New York. And they stop in this magical mountain town of Stanley, Idaho, And they spend 48 hours there and suddenly fall in love with nature and have a big sky full of stars and walk through rivers and smell big, fresh open air and sort of have a a life-changing, altering 48 hours in terms of losing a city edge and opening up. And and then they carry on their
1: way. Sounds very familiar to what you were saying earlier about... About my own... Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, it was. I wrote it kind of based on that dream. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Lola, this was awesome. Thanks. Thank thanks, you so much. Thanks
0: for having me, and thank sweet. you for
1: making my day with the Vermeer reference. <laughs> you have no idea. It's a sickness, but it's you. You well, hit. You hit the nail right on the head.